these things in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May be seated. K through five, you're dismissed to Children's Church, as you most are already doing. Giving thanks, giving back the ripple effect of giving. What we're looking at today, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. If you want to make your way there, we'll get there shortly. As you're getting there, I just want to remind you of some things that we talked about the first couple of weeks of the year. Um, I haven't forgotten about these things. You may have, but if you have forgotten, I'm bringing them back up now so you don't. These are the goals that we felt led to set at the beginning of the year. The first set of goals were, were 100% goals. They weren't met unless 100% of the people that call this church home were doing these things. 100% of our church doing these things was our goal, or 100% of the time. So 100% of the church that of the people in this church that call this church home, they give on a regular basis. 100% involved in Sunday morning Bible study because that's where growth happens is in small groups digging into God's Word. Read Scripture at least four days a week. I know we ain't meeting that one, but Lord, I'm still praying for it. Uh, make prayer our first reaction instead of our, instead of our uh, last resort. Uh, first timers at every Sunday of 2023. I have kept up with that. And I know of only one Sunday so far where we didn't have someone here that I had never seen here before or that hadn't been here in a really long time. That is unbelievable that that has happened because I felt like a fool saying that that first Sunday of the year. 52 Sundays in a row we were going to have a visitor. Yeah, right, Lord. Well, there you go. Uh, share the gospel at least once this year. 100% of our church to share the gospel at least once to someone this year. I wonder if you've shared the gospel one time this year. I hope you have. If you have, do it again. If you haven't, then do it. Uh, and then the last one was serving in at least one ministry. Not just coming on Sunday mornings, which you're welcome to come on Sunday mornings. And we're glad you come on Sunday mornings. But not just coming, but participating, engaging. We had other things. At least one family would become a foster parent. In this church, I'm still praying for that. I'm still believing that's going to happen. That the diversity of our congregation would grow. That is definitely happening, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, that first responders and educators would know who we are, that we would do things to reach out uh, to the people in our world that are on the front lines, that are going through the hard stuff. And we have had Sunday school classes, and different groups do different things to do those types of things. To learn, know, and love our community, I feel like we're we're working on that. We're getting there. And then to grow in fellowship with each other. I know some people in this church better than I ever have through this year. Because we've met and we've spent time together and we've broke bread together and we've, we've told stories together. Most of them funny stories. Most of them that we swore not to repeat. Some of them I still repeated because they were too funny not to share. But thankfully it wasn't, wasn't too, too private. Thankful for, the, for those things. Uh, one of those things that, if you didn't notice, was that 100% of this church would faithfully give on a regular basis. It always gets quiet when you bring that up. Never fails. Never fails. Nothing hits us in the heart like that, does it? Well, that's what we're talking about today. This is my favorite time of year. Many of you know that. I love Thanksgiving. It is my favorite holiday. 
I love, I love it because I love what it represents. I love the act of giving thanks. I love being grateful. I love when we sit around and say what we're grateful for and all those types of things. I obviously love the food for sure. You got food, football, and family on Thanksgiving. What else do you need? It's, it's wonderful. You don't have any pressure of presents, which I despise the Christmas season because of that. Or that's the only part of Christmas season that I do despise. It's not as busy as Christmas. I just love this time of year. So I always love this Sunday. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Um, and so we're going to be digging in this today, the ripple effect of giving, giving thanks, giving back, that the whole idea of thanksgiving uh, as we dig into this couple of verses and then a few other places in Scripture as we go through. So there's a story about Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, as he is called, and his wife. This is according to a, a story that was in Chaplin Magazine. It said that they would sell, Charles and his wife would sell, but refused to give away the eggs that their chickens laid. Even close relatives were told, you may have them if you pay for them. And as a result, some people labeled the Spurgeons greedy and grasping. They accepted the criticisms without defending themselves, and only after Mrs. Spurgeon died was the full story revealed that all the profits from the sale of the eggs went to support two elderly widows that couldn't support themselves. The Spurgeons were unwilling to let their, quote, left hand do, know what their right hand was doing like Matthew 6.3 talks about. They endured the attack, attacks in silence, uh, but it's become a pretty neat story about a pretty, pretty impressive man and woman in this world. Not always, it's not always what it appears, is it, when it comes to being generous and giving and giving back. And sometimes we can be misled in those things. So careful of that. Let's read this verse. Verses. Simple verses. Paul says, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. This is the end of the letter. He's, he's, he's kind of consolidating some, some last to-dos, as Paul likes to do at the end of his letters uh, to the diff different churches. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, this is not all of God's will, but it is definitely a part of God's will, a big chunk of God's will, that we rejoice always, that we pray constantly or without ceasing, your English may say, that we give thanks in, even though we don't want to give thanks for everything. We give thanks in everything. It's a wonderful verse. It's simple. I would say if you could just focus on those three things, you'd become a pretty good Christian. You'd become a pretty good follower of Jesus if you could do that right there and just focus on that. Like if you're looking for a couple of verses for your life verse for, for next year, choose that. Get good at that. We'll all be thankful that you did. Maybe some of our, never mind, I won't, I won't chase rabbits. <laughs> Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This, this is coming from the same guy that in Romans 8, 18 tells us that the sufferings we go through now are nothing compared to the glory that is to come. How do you give thanks in everything? Because I know that the sufferings I endure now are nothing compared to the glory that is to come. This is the same guy that told us in Romans 8, 28 that all things work for the good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. How do you give thanks in everything? You do it in Christ Jesus. You understand that it is the will of God to do those things. It doesn't mean that you like everything. Matter of fact, you won't like everything or everyone for that matter. But it says to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. I want to focus on that part this morning, the giving thanks part. Give thanks 
in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay? Cool word there in the Greek. Eucharisteo is the word there. You can see it on the bottom of the screen. To give thanks. Eucharisteo. 38 times that this word in this form is used in the New Testament. 38 times that this word, this, this act is used in the New Testament. It means to be grateful. It means to feel thankful. It means to give thanks. Uh, it means to render gratitude. That's a cool way to say it, to render gratitude. It just means to be thankful, to give thanks, the act of giving thanks, eucharisteo. Now, the cool part about this is, and where your pastor nerds out and just really loves this kind of stuff, and I can spend hours on something like this sometimes, probably more than I should sometimes, but the middle of that word right there, the root of the word eucharisteo is charis, which is the word we have in English as grace. That's pretty cool. The root fundamental language, word, part, foundation in the Greek for giving thanks, right in the center of it is the word for God's grace. Because the heart of gratitude, the state of giving thanks is an understanding of the grace of God. And the language tells us there that right there, plain and clear. The grace of God, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God upon whosoever will call upon his name like you and like me. There's a direct correlation between gratitude and giving and the effects of it ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple outwards, affecting more things and more people than you could ever realize in your lifetime. I look forward to knowing how that ripple effect happens for the good. I don't want to know the bad stuff that I did that rippled out a long ways. That's not going to be fun, but the good stuff is going to be fun. What we're saying this morning is, if you don't get anything out of the rest of today, but as we dig into this, I hope this right here just buries in us. Gratitude is the fertile soil where generosity grows. Gratitude is the fertile soil where generosity grows. And the opposite of that is true as well, obviously. Because fundamentally, gratitude is, under, is an understanding of the grace of God. It's an understanding of what God has given you, what God has done for you, and therefore what God has given you. Again, C.H. Spurgeon <clears throat> said this, The heart must be alive with gracious gratitude, or the leaf cannot long be green with living holiness. That's why he's called the Prince of Pre Preachers. I couldn't think of that in a thousand years, but I can quote him. He also said this, speaking about expressing gratitude. We've talked about it before. He, he dealt with depression. He had, he had some physical issues that caused him a lot of pain. <clears throat> had, went through some very difficult times in his life. And he said, he said this, I have not always found it easy to practice this duty, this duty of giving thanks. This I confess to my shame. When suffering extreme pain some time ago, a brother in Christ said to me, have you thanked God for this? I replied that I desired to be patient and would be thankful to recover. But said he, in everything, give thanks. Not after it's over, but while you are still in it. And perhaps, and perhaps when you are enabled to give thanks for the severe pain, perhaps it will cease. Or perhaps something will change. Or maybe the pain won't go away, but something in you will change. When you can find 
the strength and willingness to give thanks even in the pain, there's something different that happens to you. Speaking from a little bit from experience. So even if the physical doesn't change, something is going to change. Keep this in mind. Gratitude is the fertile soil where generosity grows. We're going to dig through or not dig through. We're just going to quickly glance at a few areas in Scripture where the act of giving thanks had a few ripples in different people's lives. The first one is a pretty fun one. You've known that, you know this story. This is Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6 said, Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you O God, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed. According to the law of Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, that's the end of the quote. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Now, if you spent five seconds in Sunday school, you know this story. Why did they want King Darius to put this into place? Because they were trying to trap Daniel. They noticed that he was a devout man that prayed to God on the regular. And they said, well, we can go behind, the king's, behind Daniel's back and flatter the king. Always be careful of flattery. Pick up on flattery. Flattery is not a good thing. Mm. Many are the wounds that come from flattery. I'm chasing rabbits again. They're trying to get King Darius to put into law a law that they feel pretty certain Daniel will break. And when Daniel breaks this law, well, that's the end of old Daniel. Because every single person that's ever been thrown in the den of lions, that was the end of that person. It was a pretty surefire way to get rid of somebody. Throw them in there in the pit with a bunch of hungry lions, and they never walk out. So they were pretty, they were pretty certain this was going to happen. What happens right after that? Right after that, right here in verse 10, chapter 6. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, that's a key part of this. When he knew that this was now law, now he knows if he prays to the one real God and gets caught, he's not getting a reprimand. He's not getting, you shouldn't have done this. He's not getting a you know, a slap on the wrist, he's getting thrown into the lion's den. Now, we've watched cartoons and stuff on this so much that we lose the impact of that, but he's getting thrown into the den with hungry lions. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, and don't miss that last part, as he had been doing previously. Now, if you go back to Daniel chapter 2, you'll see that he prayed and gave thanks to God for the, for the gift of revelation that he got to be able to interpret the king's dreams, which saved the, 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 the many men's lives in that first part of the, of the story of Daniel. And, and, and because of that, he kind of rose in prominence, and God goes on to use him for many things. But it says he was praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing. So what is the ripple effects of this? Well, 
The first and most obvious one is he didn't get eaten by lions, which in, if I were Daniel in this case, I would be pretty thankful for that ripple effect. He was giving thanks to God, praying to God, doing what he felt was the right thing to do, even though man was telling him not to do it. But he said, but he didn't get eaten by lions. But then, verse 25 of chapter 6, then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, because of Daniel still doing this, or, or coming out of the lions in the life, excuse me. All the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, quote, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, picking it up, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel, having the strength, the faith to give thanks to God and pray to God, even when he knew it was going to cost him his life. The ripple effects of that is God performs a miracle that we still talk about to this day. I mean, everybody knows the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Everybody knows that story. But not only that, he caused the most powerful pagan king in the world at the time to worship and proclaim truths about the one true living God. That's a pretty big ripple effect for giving thanks, even when the world says not to give thanks. For he is the living God and endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. He rescues and he saves, the pagan king says about Yahweh, the living God. What a thing. Verse 28, so this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, which is a key fact because that's the one that lets him go back to the promised land. Another ripple effect. It's amazing what giving thanks can do. Science studies this stuff now. You can find article after article after article after study after study after study on the effects of gratitude. The positive effects to human beings because of gratitude. Got the, the, the psychological benefits, a quote-unquote happier you, positive emotions and thoughts, more aware and awake, increased self-satisfaction, enhanced mood. You've got the physical benefits, a fitter you, stronger immune system, less body pains and aches, optimum blood pressure and cardiac functioning. I need to spend more time giving thanks. Better sleep and wake cycles. Social benefits, a better you, better communication, more empathy, stronger interpersonal relationships, more likability among group members. Because who like, never mind. More involvement as a team member. Okay? These are all things that have come out in studies, and I'll get into the facts here in a second. Gratitude in the brain, according to positivepsychology.com. Gratitude in the brain fosters cognitive restructuring by evoking positive thinking. Practicing gratitude literally changes your brain. That's what that's saying. It literally changes the neural pathways in your brain. Wires and fires new neural connections to the bliss center, the part of your brain that goes, woohoo! Enhances dopamine and serotonin. These are the neurotransmitters that are responsible for happiness. Without them, you cannot feel happiness, not physically. You cannot feel it. 
It reduces fear and anxiety by regulating the stress hormones. When we express gratitude and receive gratitude, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our emotions, and they make us quote-unquote feel good. They enhance our mood immediately, making us feel happy from the inside. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. This is what science says. I'm not quoting from Scripture. This is what science says. Next one. Strong interpersonal connections, expressions, feelings of gratitude, perceived social and support, likability, improved group dynamics, and communication. So here are all the things that practicing gratitude can do, or not all of them, some of them. One, gratitude releases, releases, like gets rid of toxic emotions. The limbic system is the part of the brain that is responsible for all emotional experiences. It consists of the thalamus, the hypothalamus, and the amygdala, and the hippocampus, and the cingulate gyrus. There's just some science stuff. Studies have shown that the hippocampus and amygdala, the two main sites regulating emotions, memory, and bodily function, get activated with feelings of gratitude. They can literally study our brains. They can see our brains. They can see where it's activating, and they can see when gratitude is expressed or felt that something in our brain lights up. A study conducted on individuals seeking mental health guidance revealed that participants of the group who wrote letters of gratitude, so they thought that they were just having counseling sessions, two different groups. One group had counseling sessions and wrote letters of gratitude, and then one group had regular counseling sessions, but they were told to or asked to journal their negative experiences instead of writing letters of gratitude. The group that that, that wrote the letters of gratitude reported feeling better and recovered sooner from whatever they came in for, the treatment for. And the people that wrote the negative experiences reported feelings of anxiety and depression. Both groups received the exact same psychotherapy, the same counseling sessions. One practiced gratitude, one focused on the negative. Second thing, gratitude reduces pain, literally, physically, reduces pain. There's a study called Counting Blessings versus, Burden, versus Burdens uh, from 2003. Evaluating the effect of gratitude on physical well-being indicated that 16% of the patients who kept a gratitude journal reported reduced pain symptoms and were more willing to work out and cooperate with the treatment procedure in like physical therapy, recovering from surgeries and things. A deeper dig into the cause unleashed that by regulating the level of dopamine, Gratitude fills us with more vitality, thereby reducing subjective feelings of pain. Literally, being thankful can literally reduce your physical pain. Third thing, gratitude improves sleep quality. I could go into the details, I'm not, because you'll be here all day and you'll be giving me junk about it again. Gratitude aids in stress regulation. It literally reduces our stress hormones. Gratitude reduces anxiety and depressions and depression. Scientists have suggested that by, that by activating the reward center of the brain, gratitude exchange, the gratitude exchange alters the way we see the world and the way we see ourselves. That's all from an article about many different studies called the Neuroscience of Gratitude from Positive Psychology. Science is catching up to what God's been telling us for a few thousand years. Giving thanks is good for us. Shocker. Moving along. 
I got two more. We're doing all right. This is in, <laughs> this is in uh, Matthew. This is Jesus talking. Matthew chapter 16, the feeding of the 4,000. He said, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples did what? Picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were 4,000 men besides the women and the children. Now, there's two different feedings. Some of you are saying, I thought it was 5,000. There is. That's 14, chapter 14. We're now we're in chapter 15. Okay? And, and that's just the men of the 4,000. So we know if, you, if half of them were married and half of them had children, you can start doing the addition. It's not hard to get to the number, uh, the estimated number. It's way more than 4,000 that was fed. Now, here's the thing. Jesus could have said, you know what? <laughs> if Daniel was Jesus, this is what would have been said. You know what? We're tired and we're hungry. And I'm not very fun to be around when I'm either of those things. <laughs> We've only got seven loaves and a few fish. Send all these begging, needy people away so we can have enough. Since we don't have enough, send these people in need away so that we can have enough. But Jesus knows that greed is a mirage of abundance. It's not real. Greed is a mirage of of abundance. And greed, selfishness, and ingratitude blinds one's one to the richness of a contented heart and often leads down a path where the pursuit of more becomes the unraveling of what truly matters. Jesus knows this. No, Jesus didn't see that they didn't have enough. That's not what he focused on. He saw an opportunity for gratitude and generosity because gratitude and generosity take Faith, giving out of our surplus, does not take faith. Gratitude and generosity take faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews tells us. So Jesus gives us this example, and he does it again and again and again throughout Scripture. Here's another one, and a pretty important one. A little later in Matthew, this is at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Notice the correlation and the combination in Scripture, often, of giving thanks and giving to others. Give thanks, give to others. Give thanks, give to others. Now imagine here what Jesus is giving thanks for. Think, really think about what Jesus is saying that he is giving thanks for here. Yeah, I mean, he's giving thanks literally for the cup of wine that, that he has for, this, for what he is doing. He's, he's giving thanks for that too, but, but it's more than that. Thank you, God, that I'm going as your son to the cross to shed my blood to defeat sin and death and hell and Satan once and for all. Thank you that I'm going to go through the most agony possible as a human. And thank you that you, Father, will pour out your wrath on me so these sinners can all be justified. That's what he's saying thank you for. 
Thank you, God, that your will is going to be done, and I'm going to go through the most excruciating process possible so that these dirty, rotten, nasty sinners that I can't stand, again, that was if I was him, but I'm not. He doesn't say that, but he gives thanks, and then he gives. He gives thanks, and he gives. Thank you, Father. Give thanks and give back. Give thanks and give back. Say it with me. Give thanks and give back. One more time. Give thanks and give back. It's a rhythm of following Jesus. Give thanks and give back. Give thanks and give back. Now, here's the part that's going to rub some of you wrong. It's going to rub you the wrong way, and that's fine if it does. This isn't me begging you to do something. It's not. This is, this is me sharing truth with you because it's what's best for you. So if you don't like this, oh well. How consistently and abundantly you give is directly related to the level of gratitude you have for Jesus. Period. How consistently and abundantly you give is directly related to the level of gratitude you have for Jesus. You don't have to like that. And you don't have to believe that. But it's kind of like gravity. It's a fact whether you believe it or not. That is fact. Dig into it. See if you can find a hole in it. Show me somebody who is aware and grateful for the grace of God. The grace of God that saved them through the blood of Jesus Christ and has granted eternal life through faith. And I'll show you someone who's generous without fail. Trying to, trying to find generosity in a greedy miser, you know, the word we use to describe the Ebenezer Scrooges of the world, is like trying to find sunshine in a deep cave. Good luck spelunking. You're not going to find it. You know what they say about the generous spirit of a greedy miser? It's so vibrant, it's practically invisible to the naked eye. Now, I'm not saying that if you aren't generous, or I'll put it in church terms, I'm not saying that if you aren't tithing, that you aren't saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you don't fully understand you don't understand fully and are not appreciative to the appropriate level of what God has done for you. If you were, you would be generous. If you were fully aware and understanding and appreciative of what God has actually done for you through the cross of Jesus Christ, you couldn't help but be generous. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying you're still a babe in Christ drinking spiritual milk. You haven't grown up in your faith. You're still in a second, third grade Sunday school level of your faith where we tell baby stories about who Jesus is. We don't need that kind of Christian in the world. We need grown-up Christians, strong Christians, Christians that are willing to, to sacrifice and make a difference Christians that understand what God has done through them, through his son. God the Father gave you his son. Poured out his wrath on his son so you didn't have to experience it. How can we not be a generous people? Generous with our time. Generous with our stuff. Generous with our money. 
generous with our talents? How can we not be generous to that God? If you're not generous, spend some time giving thanks. Give thanks. Find things to be thankful for. Jesus talked about money a lot. You know, there's this, the joke that, oh, I hope the preacher's not talking about money. You know, and we get up here and we apologize for it. Mm-mm. It's too important. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus shared in the New Testament were concerned with how to handle money. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, one out of 10 verses in the four Gospels is on the subject of money. The Bible has over 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions because nothing says it like putting your money where your mouth is. Nothing says it. We know that because if somebody pops off something, what do you say? Put your money where your mouth is. Well, yeah. That's the reaction you get to that most of the time, isn't it? Crawfishing. Well, I bet you, oh, so-and-so can blah, 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 blah. Well, put your money where your mouth is. Well, I mean, I didn't really mean it like that. You know, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Nothing says it like where you put your money. It's just, just the facts. So, let's finish up with a few practical things. I'll calm down. I got a little excited. What can you do? To increase your thanksgiving. Okay? Some of these I've, I've said before, but we're prone to wonder and forget. So keep a gratitude journal. Like literally, write down what you're thankful for. Daily. Do it. See what happens. I've shown you this before. This is the one that I used to use, and I did it for a long time, and it and it changed me. It was it's amazing. I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. But I got better in this area because I literally put it into practice. It's a five-minute journal. You can buy it on Amazon. It's kind of expensive because it's a nice cover and everything. But it ain't that expensive. What's 30 bucks to change who you are? It prompts you with a couple of questions, and it literally made me reflect every day on things I was thankful for. And it's amazing. When you spend time reflecting on things that are thankful for, you start finding a lot of things in your life that you have to be thankful for. It's pretty cool. It's really cool, actually. And it's, you see there on the title, it's called what? The 45-minute journal? Is that what it says? Oh, the five-minute journal. If I told you, that I can guarantee you something will change your life if you do it for five minutes a day, you'd jump on it. Here's something cool when it comes to this. Christina Carnes, she's a PhD researcher at the University of Oregon. She did a study. They correlated by surveying people uh, to find out who... who who in the group was more generous and, more, and more, uh, had more gratitude, practiced gratitude better by the survey, okay? And then they scanned them uh, at the end of the survey like they had a choice. They could choose to keep $5 or give $5 to a charity, and they scanned their brains. And the people that at the beginning of the study, by the questions they asked, they knew were more generous and, and filled with more gratitude, their brains lit up more than the people who didn't, okay? Now, you can say, well, they're just naturally made that way then. And so that was why she did her experiment. She was like, well, I think you can change it. I think you can change it. I don't think it's just who you are. I think you can change it. So she took the same similar study, separated people, and then had the people that, that uh, 
rated lower on the scale. They were less gracious and less generous than the other people. And then had them practice gratitude with something like this for three weeks. And then come back and study their brain and scan their brains again as they did this thing. And their brains lit up more than it did previously. Three weeks of a gratitude journal. And it changed their brains. They experienced more joy in their life. More things to be excited about in their life. It's pretty cool. So, do that. Appreciate the little things. If you don't like Lonesome Dove, I question your manhood. Or or your, your humanity, not your manhood. I question your humanity if you don't like that movie. Captain Augustus McRae said to learn to like the little things, like a glass of buttermilk. Now, you may not like buttermilk. But maybe a beautiful sunrise or a sunset or a warm hug. There's a zillion things to be thankful for every day. Don't just look for the big grand gesture. Look for the little things. I, I try to be thankful every morning that I turn on my shower and hot water comes out of the spout. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. If you'd have, if you'd have been born 100 years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Think about that. Whew. Pretty cool. Appreciate the little things. Simple, simple, life-changing practice. Jesus says, follow me. Put things into practice. It means we have to do stuff. Here's another one. Speak gratitude. Speak gratitude. Speak gratitude. Grateful, generous people tend to influence others to do and be the same. But the power of negativity is ten times worse. We're naturally bent that way. Notice, notice it when you're with a group of people and let one person say something negative or ungrateful. And before you know it, you've got a full-blown gripe session. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You might have started it. I started one last week. I'll be transparent with you. I started one last week. I had to go to the doctor last week, and I had been, well, let me rephrase. In my mind, I had been given the wrong time for this appointment. I put it in my phone. And it was not the right time. So I got there in Conway and was told, I'm sorry, you're too late. We have to reschedule your appointment. Now, I'd like to say that I responded with the graciousness of Christ in that situation. (laughs) I would like to say that, but I'd be lying. I did get really quiet and take some deep breaths. And then I came back and was continuing to study for this sermon. And I was like, hmm, missed that one. Because I came back here, and what what was the first thing I did walking into this office? Guess what happened to me? And then everybody else joined in, two or three things they were upset about. And then before you knew it, we were all upset. And it was all my fault. Maybe, maybe the doctor was having a bad day. Maybe he would have misdiagnosed me. Who knows? I, I could have just said, you know what? Obviously, this is out of my control. I'm thankful that you are in control, God. And I'll come back again and waste half a day at the doctor's office, and I'll be thankful. But that's not what I said. It's amazing. When that, your heart beats up, your breathing's up, your, 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 your physiology changes, your spirit becomes more critical. And voila, you walk out with life and you find more things to dislike and more things to be ungrateful for. 
So speak gratitude. Speak it. Talk about it. Talk about what you're thankful for. Be a trendsetter. Be a gratitude junkie. Because unexpressed gratitude is perceived as ingratitude. Oh, that's a mouthful. I didn't make it up, but I'll use it. Unexpressed gratitude is perceived as ingratitude. Think about it, wife. Think about it, husband. The 10,000 things you do, busting your tail. The one thing that gets griped about. We forget to talk about the 10,000 things we we're grateful for. Don't spend all the time over here. It ain't working. Just increases resentment. Some free marital counseling. Last thing, trust God. Trust him. He says to give thanks. He's been saying it for thousands of years. Anything God commands is what's best for you. Science doesn't confirm that gratitude does all this. Science is just discovering it. God made it that way. It was already true. For thousands of years, God has been telling his people to be thankful, to give praise, to lift up your voice, to sing praise. And now science says, oh, yeah, being grateful is good for you. It's like, well, no, duh. God's been telling us that for thousands of years. I don't need a brain scan to know that. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's cool that we can do that. But I could have told you the outcome of those experiments. 100%. Give thanks. And let that thanksgiving turn into giving back. Practice gratitude so that you become a generous person. Practice gratitude so that you become a generous person. The world does not need another stingy, greedy, ungrateful person. We've got billions of those. Billions with a B of those. We don't need any more of those in this world. This is the time of year where, where giving gets on our mind. Starting with Thanksgiving and then going into the present season, which is great. I'm <clears throat> but it's on our mind. Well, great. Give somehow, some way extraordinary this year. Sacrifice something and give in an extraordinary way. And watch it ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple out to positive effect and positive benefits. Give thanks, give back. Gratitude is the fertile soil where generosity grows. Practice gratitude and watch your life change. And you, your life will change because you'll change. And that's the coolest part. Careful there, Coach Carroll, don't you trip. I'd feel bad for laughing. <laughs> We're going to sing this last song together. Lift up praise together. Gratitude to the God for, uh, together. If you need to pray during this time, great. If you have business you want to attend to, you want to talk to me about joining the church or getting saved, trust me, you ain't going to become a gracious person without the love of Christ living inside of you. It ain't happening. Maybe today's the day you get saved. We can talk about that. Whatever the case may be, we'll finish it during this song. Father God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I thank you, Father, that your way is the best way. Lord, I pray that you would make us 
uh, a people that practice gratitude, God, that we put it into practice, that we look for the small things, that we practice our gratitude, that we speak gratitude, God, that we trust that you say you worked all things to the good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And if that is true, God, then we can be grateful in everything, even if we're not grateful for everything, God. Would you take that grateful heart and turn it into a generous person, Father, a generous person that makes a dent in this world for you? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.